Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. This is a listener request episode. There is a topic that I've been asked about a lot, and I needed, as you'll see, I needed some time to go by before it made sense to do this episode, and that time has since gone by. So here's the scoop. First, let me say, if you're not interested in fat loss, in losing weight, if that's not the season of life that you're in, totally cool. Skip this episode. There's about a thousand other ones that you can listen to. But if that is something that's on your radar, I think you'll really enjoy this. So the question that has come up a handful of times is, what was different for me when I was losing over 100 pounds say, eight years ago or so, compared to what is different in what I do now for weight loss. And I really needed to go through that that second weight loss season that came after Roman was born. So two back-to-back pregnancies, two back-to-back C-sections. And I went back to my journals from when I was losing weight initially, that 130 plus pounds. Man, am I feeling really grateful that I have all of that documentation, which I think if I didn't do what I did for a living, I wouldn't have kept all of those things. So if you're one of those people that wonders what to do with your journals, I think most people don't need to keep them. But I am absolutely glad that I did because I was able to go back through those journals, which at the time were just blank notebooks. There was a brand of notebook. I've tried to find it a million times since. And it was M, the letter M, eight, the numeral eight. And I loved those notebooks. They were spiral-bound notebooks. And every day, I would literally just write down the date. And I would write down what I intended to eat. Like in the morning, I would kind of plan out the day. Then I would just update it if anything changed throughout the day and any workout that I did. So I have those for the duration of that 130-some-odd pound weight loss. Then when I got pregnant... With my daughter Dagny, who was born in 2020, I gained a significant amount of weight in that pregnancy and then found out I was pregnant with Roman just six months after she was born. After Roman was born, it took several months, but I was ready to get into a fat loss period. It was it was tricky uh, because I exclusively breastfed until he was about eight and a half months old. So that, that was a complicating factor because 
I couldn't really do anything that was going to drop my milk supply. But as I got closer to weaning him, I got back into that fat loss mode. And it was so fun for me to sit down and say, what's different in my approach, in the tools that I use? Because there's certainly a lot that's different in my life. When I, when I first lost that initial 130 pounds, I was working about 60 hours a week outside of the home. I was married, different marriage, different, different spouse. I was living far away from home. Uh, I was extremely obese. I wasn't self-employed. I mean, there were so many things that were different. And now I have a baby and just so much has changed. So I wanted to see what's similar, what's different, what tools stayed the same, what tools changed, and share them with you with, a cor- with, of course, a caveat that is what worked for me represents where I was at that point in my life, where I am at this point in my life, and that might not be where you are. The other caveat is we're not cookie cutters. So as much as it would be lovely for it to be true, it's just not true that what works for one person will work for another. Now I can say that a lot of the tools that I used have been very, very helpful for my clients over the last eight years or so. But just know that where you're starting matters and you can make incremental improvements. You'll see I started with very, very incremental improvements. And you don't have to start with some big, huge overhaul change. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast since it started back in 2014, you've probably heard a lot of what it looked like for me then. But I'm hopeful that this compare and contrast then versus now sort of... um, condensed version will be a good resource. So going back to years ago, I started over 350-ish pounds. You know, I it took a while before I was comfortable to get on the scale. So I don't know exactly what the starting point was. I just know that my weight did get over 350 pounds because it's in my medical records. But uh, when I first started, it was not something where I was checking my weight or taking pictures or taking measurements. I didn't get comfortable with that until I made some progress. And I'd say some progress probably in the realm of like 20 pounds and a couple of pant sizes. Then I started to kind of get into the monitoring of those things. So it's okay if you're thinking, I don't own a scale. I don't want a scale. I hate the idea of taking pictures of myself. All of that is totally, totally fine. I needed at that point in life to not have the pressure on to where it would feel like a diet. Because the one thing that stands out to me in terms of my starting point then is that my strongest conviction was that I was finished crash dieting. There was no more extreme approach, all in extreme deprivation, because I had enough experience with that to know that it was a yo-yo kind of thing, that I wasn't going to be super strict forever, and therefore it just felt like this out-of-control pendulum. That was my one commitment. And so with that meant I wasn't starting with like checking my weight on a Monday morning and taking pictures in my underwear and a sports bra. I didn't do any of that. You guys know, most of you probably know, that truly the very beginning for me, aside from that conviction of I am never, ever, ever again going on 
some extreme dieting protocol. The first thing was a smaller fast food order in the morning. Five or six days a week, I would start my day by going to Chick-fil-A on the way to work. It wasn't on the way. I would go out of my way to go to Chick-fil-A and I would order a chicken biscuit plus the chicken mini meal and a large Diet Coke. So that would be chicken biscuit, chicken minis, hash browns, large Diet Coke. And for me, I started, and, and a lot of people laugh at this, and I want you to know it is a good enough start. Any small start is a good enough, worthy start. It was, I'm going to have chicken biscuit meal or the chicken mini meal, but I'm not going to add on the other thing. So I was still having fast food five or six mornings a week. That was the start. And I probably did that for about three to four weeks before I took on a single other thing. And I wasn't dropping pounds, but that wasn't the immediate goal. The immediate goal was, let's just stop living in such extremes. Let's just stop living in the, I'm either totally overindulging today or I'm totally over-restricting today kind of mentality. Let's just embrace these tiny little improvements. All right, so that was the first change. The second change was that I bought a treadmill. I am not a runner. I do not want to be a runner. I've never been, never will be a runner, and I'm cool with that. However, at that time in my life, I was watching a lot of TV. I would come home from work, and I had a DVR back then. I don't know if people still use DVRs because you can watch stuff on demand, but they didn't have on demand then, uh, at least where I was. So I would have shows saved on the DVR. And basically, from the time I got home from work until the time I go to bed, I would be watching television. And I, my former spouse and I watched different kind of shows. Chris and I do as well. Uh, and so he had a man cave upstairs. I had an office downstairs. And that's where I would generally watch TV was in my office downstairs. And I put the treadmill in there. The goal was this. If I was going to watch shows, and this I remember it being football season when I got the television because or the treadmill because I would often spend the entire weekend like watching football. So that would be hours and hours. And I just made a commitment to myself. I don't have to move quickly. I'm not talking like, you know, a 10-minute mile. I'm not talking a 20-minute mile. I'm serious. I wasn't even going a 20-minute mile. If I'm going to watch TV, I'm going to stand here and just move. And what that meant for me starting out, again, I was over 300 pounds, close to 350. I would put it on the, the slowest setting, which I think was like one mile an hour. And I would just walk super slow because I figured moving a little was better than sitting on my butt. That was the second change that I made. So I was still having fast food most mornings. I was not following any kind of dieting protocol. I just started moving more, and it was amazing what that did for my drive. Well, I didn't start jogging. I didn't start walking quickly. I didn't amp the incline. But that tiny switch, like literally if somebody had walked in the room, it wouldn't have even looked like I was moving. But I was moving. It made me feel like a healthier human. And I think it did so much in terms of blood flow and oxygenation just to not be sitting on my butt for hours more every day. Because I was still sitting on my butt most of the day at work. 
now I was just moving. And, I, and I'll be honest, if I have to reflect back, I, I think I felt a little, I don't think, I felt a little self-conscious. Like if my former husband were to come in the room, it, it, I got a little defensive. Like I can go faster than this. Of course I can go faster than this. But that wasn't the point. It wasn't a workout. It wasn't meant to be a workout. It was just a shift from sitting. One mile an hour. The next change that I made after that, and I kept that walking thing going for, I don't know, probably a year. Uh, really, even more than that, because when I left my job, I, I turned the treadmill into a standing desk, and I, and I used it a lot, and it was a, a loud treadmill, so I always had to be going very, very slow. Otherwise, it would be too loud. So the next change that I made was getting those, those notebooks. There's no special fancy notebook. It was just a spiral-bound, lined notebook. Every day got a page, and I would write the date. I'd write down what I intended to eat that day. And then if anything changed, I'd jot that down. And if I did any kind of workout, which I didn't start doing for a while, I'd write that down. If you are not someone who writes down what you eat, that shift alone can change everything. Because for me, it became about consciousness and paying attention. And for the longest time in my life, what I was eating was extremely unconscious. I paid little to no attention. And, and truth be told, I didn't want to pay attention because there was a lot of shame around it. So just being willing to say, I'm going to face this and if I eat it, I'm going to write it down. That shift probably made the single biggest difference of anything that I did. To be clear, I never did count calories or macros and I still don't. And I have a number of episodes on why I do not think that is a really great approach for most people. If you're doing it and you love it, you do what works for you. But I was never measuring anything I did not use measuring cups or food scales or teaspoons or anything like that. I was just writing it down. So if I was having chicken and rice for dinner, I'd kind of ballpark it, right? I would say like three chicken thighs and, you know, uh, a plate of rice, whatever it was. The goal was not to restrict at that point. The goal was to face it. For so long, I was unwilling to face things like my emotions, the number on the scale, what I was eating, how much I was eating, when I was eating, because there was a lot of shame around it. And then hiding from it and not facing it allowed it to get worse and worse and worse because I wasn't paying attention. Writing it down was like the watershed moment for me. I still do that every single day. I do it now in the Changemakers Journal, and that structure works for me. But that's after eight plus years of writing everything down. I I knew what I needed, and I created that tool. But then it was just the spiral-bound notebook. The way that I did it was I would wake up in the morning, and I would just set the intention. There is so much to be said for bringing consciousness to that because in and of itself, it made me want to make better choices. 
but I still wasn't in the place of like, oh, don't have the donut. That's bad. No, it's cool. Have the donut, but write it down. And I, I will swear this upside down, inside out, and backwards. It is the most powerful change if you make it. And if you make it honestly, there's a lot of people who like to write down what they eat, but they're not very honest about it. And so it represents their ideal and it doesn't represent their reality. That's not helpful for anything. In fact, it can really backfire because you're not being honest with yourself and we are the easiest people to fool. You can fool yourself better than you can fool anybody else. Writing it down inspired me, the awareness, the paying attention to start cleaning up what and how much I was eating. I was never on a diet following a particular protocol, but I'll tell you what 90% of my days looked like then, and I know this because I have all the journals. So most of the time, I started my morning, I got rid of Chick-fil-A, and I started my morning with Bulletproof Coffee. I've done an episode on it. I don't drink it anymore. We'll get to that when we talk about now. But essentially, a cup of coffee blended with a tablespoon of butter and a tablespoon of MCT oil. I really liked that. It worked for me. It satisfied my hunger. And I would have that for breakfast, okay? Then at lunch... I would drive to the nearest Chipotle Mexican Grill. If you don't live in the United States or you don't have that around you, it's like fast, casual Mexican food. And I would get a salad. So no rice, no beans. My order was always the same. So it was mixed greens with their grilled chicken, their pico salsa, so like a chunky tomato salsa. And I would do guacamole and cheese. And I'd get a Diet Coke. I I don't think that Diet Coke is the healthiest thing now, but then it was a tremendous improvement for me. So I would leave work, drive to Chipotle, get my salad, my Diet Coke, drive back to work, eat it at work. That was my lunch. Even on weekends, 99% of the time that was my lunch. Dinner was some combination of vegetables and meat or fish And I would say two nights out of the week, I would do something like sweet potato fries or sweet potato chips because uh, sometimes I would like to do sweet potato nachos. So I'd get sweet potato chips and I'd top it with ground meat and some salsa and some guacamole. But five nights out of seven, I wouldn't do that sweet potato. So whether it was sweet potato fries, baked sweet potato, sweet potato chips, two nights out of the week, I would have that carbohydrate five nights-ish, I wouldn't. And on those nights that I wouldn't, it would just be something like Brussels sprouts and salmon or whitefish and broccoli or cauliflower. And, you know, I would often do like a burrito bowl with cauliflower rice instead of regular rice and whatever protein meat I had on hand and then things like salsa and guacamole. If I had a snack, then it was almost always this particular protein bar that unfortunately is no longer made. I am super picky about protein bars, like really, really picky. And I probably still think about it like twice a week, like why don't they make this bar anymore? Um, And I would have usually one a day. There were occasions where I remember binging and eating like an entire box of those protein bars. But I would say that happened like once every couple of months. 
uh, and they were just too expensive. <laughs> I'd be like, why did you do that? That could have lasted you two weeks. Um, so that's what the days looked like. And I would say once every couple of months in that period, I would indulge outside of the protein bar occasional binge that I, it was never worth it. It was never worth it. It was just one of those things that at that point in my journey, sometimes my brain would just like short circuit and I'd eat 12 bars. Um, but I would say once every couple of months, because I traveled a lot at that time, I would, while traveling, go out to dinner, have whatever, do dessert. So once every couple of months, I would indulge. That's what it looked like for me. After I lost about the first 40 or 50 pounds, I started doing CrossFit. I did not feel comfortable in the class setting. I was new to it. I was self-conscious. I didn't want to be in a group of people. So I worked one-on-one with a CrossFit coach before the box opened in the morning. And we did that like three to five times a week. CrossFit three to five times a week. And yeah, I did not take any dietary supplements at that time, although I was working for a supplement company, so I tasted a lot of them. Uh, We did a lot of like liquid supplements, the company that I worked for. And when we were launching new products, we would have to taste the samples. And so I did taste a lot of those things, but there weren't any supplements at that phase in my journey that first 130 pounds or so that I took regularly. Uh, Anything else that was, stands out to me. Um, It took about a year, a little over a year to lose that 130 pounds, which in hindsight feels really fast. But again, I was only indulging. Like I was very, once I got past that initial sort of slow ramp up, I stayed very consistent the majority of the time. And I would indulge once every couple of months because I wanted the results. You know, it's okay if you are at a place where you are satisfied with a slower pace. My whole world was revolving around that at the time. All right. Let's talk about what it looked like now trying to lose the weight that I gained in my pregnancies. Um, And I will say, also that I did not lose all of the weight from the pregnancies before I got pregnant again, third time. So I got pregnant with Dagny, gained a bunch of weight. Six months after she was born, found out I was pregnant with Roman. Uh, Not quite 10 months, nine-ish, nine plus months after Roman was born, found out I was pregnant again. So I had lost 25 pounds, which I feel really good about. And then I found out I was pregnant again. So not in a fat loss mode now, but still very conscious and not wanting to gain more weight than my body needs in this third pregnancy. Okay. So let's talk about what was different. I don't do bulletproof coffee anymore. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I gave up caffeine when I was pregnant with Dagny. So I've probably had caffeine five or six times since whenever I got pregnant with Dagny, which was what, May 2019, June 2019? Anyway, uh, so that's a primary reason I, I don't do it because I don't do caffeine. The other reason is I'm generally not very hungry in the morning now, 
Uh, I think I've just gotten over the years into a different routine. I have dinner earlier now because I work from home. Years ago, you know, working for corporate, I wouldn't get home until 6.30. It might be 7.30 before I had dinner. I wasn't going to bed until 10. Now, I feed Roman at 5. So I'm usually having dinner myself around that time. And that just puts me, it's put me in a phase where I finish eating for the day earlier and I'm not hungry until later in the morning. So I don't do the Bulletproof coffee anymore for those couple of reasons. And when I was losing weight, so I had weaned Roman, I was essentially doing intermittent fasting. So I would have about a 16-hour fasting window overnight. The times were never the same. So sometimes I'd be done eating at 5.30 in the evening. Sometimes I'd be done eating at 7 in the evening. Some days I might be done eating at 4 in the afternoon. Um, But I tried to keep it very much around that 16-8 window. So I would eat in an 8-hour window and I would not eat in a 16-hour window. So that means for me... There was no breakfast. If that doesn't work for you, it's okay. That's not how I did it for years and years and years. I just do that now because it more naturally works for me. I do have decaf coffee, usually two cups, usually black, but every once in a while I'll put a splash of heavy cream in there. But I do love the ritual and the taste of coffee and I miss the caffeine, but it just doesn't make sense in a phase of having babies, being pregnant, breastfeeding, blah, blah, blah. All right, so I break my fast after that 16-hour window most of the time with a salad. Still kind of like what I had for lunch then. I don't go to Chipotle for my salad because that would be a pain in the butt. (laughs) But I typically will do a salad. I make my dressing at home. It's super simple. I'll tell you how I do that. The base Mixed greens and arugula. I love arugula, but I don't like to have the entire base of the salad with arugula. So I'll do a combo of mixed greens and arugula. And then to keep it very simple, whatever leftover protein from the night before. So I make sure if I do steaks that either I don't finish my steak or I make enough so that it can work for me for dinner and the following lunch. Or if we do chicken thighs, I'll take the leftovers and put it on top of my salad. And then I usually do one or two hard-boiled eggs. So mixed greens, some either salmon or steak or chicken thighs, and one or two hard-boiled eggs. Right now, I really like grating them, uh, like, you know, with like a cheese grater, grating the hard-boiled eggs. But, you know, if you don't have a cheese grater, you can just slice them up. I just think that it's, uh, I don't know, I like it better than having big chunks of egg to just have the grating kind of throughout. For the salad, the salad dressing, Here's what I do. I take a little glass jar, and in it, I do half avocado oil, half balsamic vinegar, and then I add like two tablespoons-ish, I don't measure anything, I eyeball it, of Dijon mustard, and I shake it up. That's my salad dressing. I make it once or twice a week. It lasts me for the week. I put that over the salad, and that's lunch. If I'm going to snack, it's always one of two things a GBX protein shake. So protein powder, water or unsweetened almond milk, shake it up. I keep it really simple when I'm in a fat loss mode. If I'm not, like if I'm pregnant or breastfeeding, I'll add other things to it. 
You can find recipes on my website. I'll do like frozen cauliflower rice. I'll do some spinach. I might do some berries. But in a fat loss mode, I keep it really simple. And if it's not the GBX protein shake, I do a midday square. That is what works best for me. It's super indulgent. It's this like, I do the chocolate peanut butter. So it's this layer of peanut butter topped with a layer of chocolate. And I will do one of those. Dinner looks a lot now like it did then, minus the sweet potato. Um, It doesn't, I don't need the carb. I don't feel better with it. And I find that it gives me more cravings. So I don't do the sweet potato fries or chips now like I used to then. Dinner, most of the time, is going to be either steak, chicken thighs, salmon, or whitefish with either broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, or cauliflower. Those are the rotations. Sometimes I do spaghetti squash, um, but I would say 90% of the time, just because the spaghetti squash takes longer, I do Brussels sprouts or broccoli. That is what it looks for me, looks like for me day in and day out now compared to then. There's a lot of similarities. I don't do the bulletproof coffee because I'm not doing caffeine because I do intermittent fasting instead. But as you can see, breakfast and lunch look the same. Snack is a little cleaner than the protein bar I used to eat, which isn't available now anyway. And then I would say now I probably indulge once a month or so. So it was less than I would do every couple of months. Now in a weight loss phase, it'll be once a month-ish. Uh, not in a weight loss phase. It'll be a little bit different, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, the other thing that's different in my indulging now is I'm much more moderate about how much. Back then, it would kind of be a free-for-all, and I hated the way that would make me feel because I felt like I busted my butt for progress, and then I could erase two weeks of progress, not in the long term, but you know, in the short term, because I just lost control, and I don't like that. So for me, it helps to, like, I'm not going to buy a thing of Oreos or a gallon of ice cream. I'm more likely to go to a bakery and buy a cookie or go out for ice cream. That just works a lot better for me. And I feel like I get more quality in the indulgence, which really matters to me as well. One thing that's really different now is that I'm not getting near as much sleep. And that undoubtedly makes fat loss harder. So for me, when I was losing weight after, after I weaned Roman, I was probably getting anywhere from like two to three hours on a crappy night, four to five hours on a good night of sleep. And that makes fat loss harder. It just does. It doesn't make it impossible. So don't sell yourself this bill of goods that you can't do it if you're overtired. You absolutely can. It's just easier if you're sleeping well. I also supplement like it's my job now because I know so much more now about the difference that it makes and how much support we can get hormonally from supplementation. And if fat loss is a goal, if energy is a goal, if longevity is a goal, if fertility is a goal, that stuff matters. So in my fat loss phase, I was doing GBX Fit. I was doing vitamin D, I was doing a multivitamin, I was doing omega-3, I was doing two different probiotics, Relief Plus, I don't live without it, a number of different supplements, Mood Plus, oh my gosh, that's like one of the ones at the top of the list, 
my workouts now are very different too. If you remember, I was doing CrossFit pretty regularly then. And I love CrossFit. But I'll be very honest. It doesn't like resonate with my soul as much right now, as cheesy as that sounds. I will absolutely get back to CrossFit at some point. But after two C-sections and being sleep deprived, being a full-time mom with multiple businesses that I run as a full-time initiative, I just like to take it a little a little slower in my workouts. That's uh, just my prerogative right now. So I don't do any intensity stuff, no intervals, nothing, no CrossFit. I walk at least 30 minutes, seven days a week, not speed walking, like 3.0. So 20 minute mile casual walk. And I lift about five times a week, nothing crazy, nothing heavy, but I'll do lower body three times a week, upper body twice a week, just low key trying to maintain and maybe build a little muscle. That is what I do. No high intensity, no CrossFit, no classes, nothing like that. So those are kind of, that's the compare and contrast. The the one thing that I didn't mention that I do, oh, actually I did mention it. I still write everything down every day, no matter what. I write down my workouts. I write down what I'm eating. If something changes, I make note of that. It takes very little time, but just the act of paying attention is huge. I'll say this too, mentally, something significant has changed for me now. And I've had so many conversations um, with my mastermind about this. It used to be that what I ate, or if I worked out, was totally centered around what was it gonna do to my weight? Was I gonna gain weight? Was I gonna lose weight? Would it make me lose weight faster? Would it make me lose weight slower? Everything was around that. And so I would easily justify a binge because, well, I can lose the weight. Of course I can. Now, yeah, it's about weight, but it's about way, 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 way more than weight. It's about my health. It is about my hormones. It is about my long-term fertility. It is about the kind of home my kids grow up in. It's about the example that I set in my home. It's about my energy. It's about my immunity. And so there's never this conversation of like, well, yeah, I can binge on them. I mean, it'll probably take me a week to lose the weight, but who cares? No, no, no. That, if I did that, if I ate that, would crush my energy. It would create hormonal chaos. I wouldn't sleep as well at night. Like, it's just not worth it. It's about so much more than weight now. And I talk about that in a lot of detail in episode 903. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I definitely suggest you do that. But that's a big thing that has changed. But the things that haven't changed, moving intentionally. I don't do the CrossFit anymore, but I'm walking every day. I'm lifting a few times a week. I'm writing things down. It matters. Paying attention really matters. I eat pretty clean. I focus on meat, veggies. I'm not snacking throughout the day. Those things have remained really consistent. And you might find one or two things in this episode that you want to try, and you might not find anything that resonates with you, and that is okay. But a number of folks had asked for, you know, what did it look like then? What does it look like now? So I wanted to go through all of the elements of that from sleep to supplementation to 
food and movement and everything in between. And if you have got questions about it, I am an open book. Do not hesitate to ask. Who knows what it'll look like three years from now, you know, but I am more than willing to share the journey. So if you have any questions about anything that I said, anything that wasn't clear that you want me to elaborate on, let me know. I appreciate the suggestion for this episode. I hope that it was very helpful. I hope everybody has an amazing day and I'll chat with you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contained high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. No cost gen ed's provided by Strayer University affiliates of Field Learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.